Hello and welcome. I'm Brian Hubbard. And I'm Lynn McTaggart. And we are What Doctors Don't Tell You. And yet again, we have a triple media sensation taking place. We have over here Facebook Live. Hello, Facebook Livers. We have our usual podcast and we have our vlog. All happening at the same time. Simultaneously. Miracle of modern technology, Indeed Brian. it is. Indeed it is. So we're going to kick off with a story that I suppose, you know, trusted and loyal what doctors don't tell you readers will know about because I think we've been banging on about it for the last 10 years. But for those who are just catching up, it's worth repeating. that The whole business about how uh, fats from our diet clog our arteries, cause uh, arteries to harden, which in turn causes heart disease, is, of course, a complete and utter myth. And this has been established in yet another study which came out a couple of weeks ago, which confirmed that, indeed, full-fat milk, yoghurt, cheese and butter won't do you any harm. But the added uh, discovery of this particular study is not only will they do you no harm, they'll actually do you some good. Because people who do eat a full-fat, high-fat diet have a reduced risk of stroke. So for all these years, where the low-fat food industry and the statin drugs industry, which is uh, designed to lower cholesterol in, in the blood, whilst they've been busy coining it, it's actually increased the real risk of heart disease for two reasons. One, because it's, it's taken away a defensive mechanism, which is the LDL cholesterol. It's taken that away. But furthermore, it's encouraged people to use these uh, low-fat, fat-free foods, which instead are full of sugars. And it's the sugars which all along are the problem and which actually do trigger heart disease. I mean, I think one of the really interesting stories we did some uh, a few years ago which really gave us a lot of insight as to why this is all the case, is this whole idea of cholesterol being the firefighter, not, you know, not the fire. And that cholesterol is coming to clogged arteries to try to, or arteries under threat, to kind of hold them together, to try to stabilize them. Mm -hmm. And by removing cholesterol, we remove a substance that's so necessary for us. It's so necessary for our brain, um, particularly as we age. It's necessary for everything. And as we've seen, food in cholesterol, like dairy fat, is actually good for you. Mm. And all of the people now who are advocating paleo diets recognize this. All of the paleo diets want you to have a lot of saturated fat as well as the mm. other elements mm. in the mm. diet. Yeah, I mean, you're quite right. I think this is the, the real danger. I suppose the third whammy um, is that of the, you know, statin prescriptions usually begin around about the age of 55 on average. Certainly after 50, they do start talking in terms of statin being part of your routine um, armament, as it were. But of course, that's the time when you need this so-called bad fat, the LDL, which actually does protect the brain. And, um, you know, it, it, it's a correlation. It's not cause and effect. But isn't it funny that when people start taking, these older people start taking statin drugs, we're seeing dementia, Alzheimer's risk increase 
And um, you know, it would seem to be a, a correlation taking place there for that reason. I mean, see, the study, what it did was it looked at uh, about 3,000 volunteers who were 65 years and older, and it tracked them for 22 years. So it's a really solid piece of research. Um, and they found that you know, they tracked their all, uh, with, the, with the food they were eating, and those on the um, those who particularly on the high fat diet uh, route, there they didn't suffer any higher rates of heart disease, and in fact they had lower rates of stroke, and in fact there was a forty two percent reduced risk of stroke, and um, and it really does. I mean, it just turns everything on its head. I mean, we have not seen, despite this piece of research, we've not seen any change yet in health advisory. No one has stood up and said, you know what, we got it wrong. We shouldn't be prescribing statin drugs for everybody. I, th I would imagine statin drugs are useful for a very, very small minority of people. They're not this general uh, protective agent that they claim it to be. Most people should not be taking it. Most people should be eating a, a full and high-fat diet. And they should be coming off the processed foods. And that's really the, the message, isn't it? That is really the message. And I mean, one other thing to keep in mind with heart drugs is that doctors don't just prescribe one drug. Mm. You know, I met a friend recently who is on about six different drugs and is developing a lot of other side effects. Mm. And those side effects are, causing, are being caused by the drugs, at which point the doctors will come in with yet more drugs to try to deal with those side effects. So suddenly you're taking this enormous cocktail of nine or 10 drugs. And what's really frustrating is that of all the diseases, heart disease is the easiest one to sort via lifestyle. It requires a number of lifestyle issues, including looking at whether or not you're lonely. That's a big cause of heart disease too. But diet, supplements, exercise, community are essentially the best pill you can take. And I think just, just a, a general rider to all this, that um, it is utterly staggering that we've been taking these foods, eating these foods, taking these drugs for 40 years. Multi, multi-billion dollar industries have arisen from this false belief that fats in your diet cause heart disease and you know and they so said well you know the research is there to prove it and and you know we did our own research and you know what it never was it was never there and uh, I remember there was the American Heart Association spent 10 years with a team of researchers trying to find this link they couldn't find it and they gave up and yet we carry on pushing this and it's it is to me staggering but you answered the question, Brian. Mm. It's all about the money. Mm. You know, follow follow the money. Mm. With health, the health industry, it's the same thing as mm. every other industry. Follow mm. the money. Mm. And right now, a giant edifice mm. of money has been built around this discredited theory. It was discredited years ago, and yet no one wants to pull the plug on it because you've got enormous food industry involved. You've got the enormous drug industry involved. Mm. You know, one of the biggest sellers of all time, statin drugs. Mm. And so it's all about mm. industry. It's all about the yeah. money. I mean, and, you know, sugars were fingered back in the 50s as the likely cause of heart disease. That was debunked. Then again, in the 70s, we had Professor Yudkin, 
who said exactly the same thing. His research institute was shut down. He was, he was even prevented from going back to his own research centre. And so powerful were these forces that he was absolutely right, of course, but he died, you know, a broken man um, for saying the right thing. And, you know, it's, it's a dirty old world out there, Facebook livers, so bear that one in mind. That's why magazines like We Exist, because we try to give you the truth that you're not going to get anywhere else, including probably from the medical profession. Okay. Well, look, we're going to say goodbye to Facebook livers now. We're going to carry on with our podcast, pick up on the rest of this podcast via our website, which is wddty.com. And thanks for joining us today, and we look forward to speaking with you again soon. Okay, staying on the theme of food and diet, which is so essential, of course. Um, you know, we all eat, probably do eat too many carbs, and we don't eat great carbs. We do need carbs, but um, you know, I think the Western diet is not great on that. We're still figuring out carbs, I guess, and the sugar load that they have. And... Um, They've just done a test amongst uh, what they call pre-diabetics. They're people who are not quite at the level of, of having diabetes, but um, are beginning to show the warning signs. In fact, I think at one stage I was pre-diabetic. Mm-hmm. And um, they put people on this uh, low-carb diet for just a month. And in that short time, these people were all showing reversing of those symptoms big time so they cease to be in the danger zone and this was just after a month i mean the researchers don't um specify exactly what this low carb diet looked like unfortunately but nonetheless i thought that was very interesting and even more interesting um the 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 men and women responded slightly differently because men not only both sexes saw a pre-diabetes problems diminish, but in men, they also lost a lot of body fat. Um, whereas for women, um, their, their, their artery health, which is probably more important than body fat, their artery health actually improved more than did the men. So what do you think, Lynn, about low-carb diets? And- well, I mean, increasing evidence is demonstrating that this is the way we were meant to eat. Mm-hmm. We were meant to have lots of vegetables and fruits as the mainstay of our diet Mm. then also have good protein sources Mm. and with our carbs the carbs were really meant to be fresh carbs fresh fruit fresh vegetables Um, and you know increasingly people are questioning even grains because Mm. even the good grains like brown rice convert into sugar and also have a nasty thing called lectins which cause a lot of inflammation in the gut So many, many nutritionists, doctors, naturopaths, functional medicine practitioners are now looking to the low-carb diet, the paleo diet, even the ketogenic diet to reverse illness, lose weight, and gain health. Mm. And it's not surprising to me because when you look at carbs, what carbs do is they all convert into sugar, Mm. you know, even the good carbs. And when you have a load of them, with lots of grains or a lot of processed foods, then after a while, 
your body can't, your pancreas can't deal with it. Your liver can't deal with it. And that's when you get metabolic syndrome. That's when you get to be pre-diabetic and ultimately type 2 diabetic. Mm. So the interesting thing is the body has this genius for recovery. Even with this kind of situation where it no longer can recognize and deal with the amount of sugar that is overwhelming it, as soon as you remove that sugar, it repairs the pancreas starts providing the insulin that the body needs to mm. deal with sugar and you know the body starts returning to normal yeah and interestingly with this study they found the arteries themselves were becoming more flexible and of course artery stiffness isn't something that's very obvious you're not going to know this and yet it is one of the early signs of heart disease itself and yet as i say just in a month low carb diet reverse this completely. These women were seeing much more flexibility in their arteries, absolutely essential for good health. So, great. Well, thanks, Lynn. Thank you. Well, I'm sure your mother told you, my mother told me, that uh, eating carrots was good for me, would help me to see in the dark. I'm not sure it worked. But um, this is probably because she got it wrong. According to the latest study... It's actually oranges I should have been eating. Because people who are eating an orange a day, not an apple a day or a carrot a day, but an orange a day actually helps prevent macular disease, which is the single most common uh, problem with eye health as we, as we age. And it's called macular degeneration. And untreated in any way, can eventually lead to blindness in a, in a small group of people. But it can cause poor eyesight as we get older. And people see it as, a, you know, you ask a doctor about it, he'll say, well, you, there you are. It's a natural process of getting older. But this new study found, well, that's not the case. And that people who just eat one orange a day are 60% less likely to develop macular degeneration, macular disease which is quite astonishing for, for just eating one simple orange a day. And they looked at it, and obviously the, the orange is full of good vitamins, including C, mainly C, of course, but also it contains E and A, but none of those had anything to do with it. It was the flavonoids in the orange that seemed to be being effective in, in, eye, in eye health. They, um, it's quite a big study. They looked at more than 2,000 people who aged 50 and over, and they checked them for 15 years. And so just checking all the other things that they were eating and, and, and drinking. But it was the orange that really stood out in this study as the thing that had the protective effect over and above anything else. I think that's an extraordinary study. Mm. And it just demonstrates that we, we kind of classify fruits according to certain things that we know about them. Oranges are always thought of as the big source of vitamin C. Mm. That's all we think about. We don't think about these other protective elements that are, you know, cofactors there. Mm. And we also don't think of a simple thing like a fruit as being preventive medicine, huge mm. preventive medicine. Mm. And something like this, where, as you say, macular degeneration, which is what Judy Dench is suffering from now, mm. and many other people, um, where doctors are thinking that these kinds of eye diseases are an inevitable part of old age, it's really about poor nutrition. Yeah. And it's appreciating 
the little substances. This is the thing that's so important about fruits and vegetables and why you, you know, supplements are really good because um, a lot of fruits and vegetables and food just isn't as nutritious as it used to be. You know, we have just a fraction of the kind of uh, nutrients that we used to have in those in those fruits and veg vegetables because of, you know, growing conditions are different now. The soil isn't as rich as it used to be. But one thing they make a mistake about always is looking at elements of those fruits and vegetables or other food products in isolation and saying, oh yeah, we just need the C or we just need the this or the that. But it's all those other factors working together that create amazing effects on the body, which is why, you know, supplement program is as important as it is can never substitute for a really healthy diet. Yeah. And I think what's interesting is that these are simple changes to make on orange a day. You know, earlier items on the podcast, if you were listening, were, you know, just a higher fat diet, good, good, good foods. And, um, you know, these are some sort of minor modifications which, which have profound effects on our overall health, it seems. I think this is what's happening that's so interesting in medicine. And for us doing what doctors don't tell you <clears throat> for 30 years, we've been witness to this. We're medicine slowly but surely is changing. The people on the forefront of medicine are realizing that the things that make a difference aren't necessarily the big heroic drugs, big heroic surgery, but substances that are all around us. I mean, oranges, apples, you know, high fat foods that are part of our diet. These things are actually the things that can heal you, not necessarily all the chemical drugs that you can throw at something. Don't have the protective effect of an orange a day. And I think that's what, I think medicine is turning gentler. And of course, the authorities are going to fight this like crazy because, you know, this is, we're talking about a lot of money here, once again you know, for all of the problems that we face, whether it's eye diseases or something like heart disease, you know, there's a lot of money invested in the whole coterie of medical treatment around these issues. And, but what we are seeing is a movement toward gentler, more natural medicine that's actually having a much more protective or therapeutic effect without the side effects. Thanks, Lynn. Your DNA is carved in stone, so we're told. It's the hand you've been dealt with. And that's going to determine whether or not you get anything from breast cancer through to what they call metabolic diseases, which is things like diabetes, heart problems, all the way through to Alzheimer's, all down to your genes. Nothing you can do about it. Well, that's just not true. Uh, in fact, even simple things like green tea and red wine, more importantly, the compounds that are found in both, actually rewrite your genetic code. Isn't that astonishing? They've uh, done some studies into this and found that um, these two drinks actually block the formation of toxic metabolites, which are molecules that are the building blocks that DNA uses, and which lead to... Uh, chronic disease, chronic disease, and um, 
these diseases range from anything from neuro neurodegenerative problems such as Alzheimer's and Parkinson's, these metabolic diseases I mentioned, and some cancers. But it's not the hand you're dealt with that matters, it's how you live your life that does, as we've been demonstrating throughout this podcast today. And I'm sure there are other things you could be drinking and eating which have a similar effect, but the scientists from Tel Aviv University um, just looked at uh, the effects of uh, the wine and green tea and found it's reversing the formation of these metabolites, which was causing the DNA problems. So astonishing stuff, Lynn, yet again. Astonishing stuff, but not new in mm. terms of the idea of rewriting your genetic code. And the problem is that for so many years, medicine has misunderstood what DNA is. You know, our DNA is very similar to a piano that just sits there quietly, waiting to be played. And the thing that plays the keys is a little quartet of atoms that sit above every gene, and they are called the epigenome. And this epigenome, we've talked about this before in this podcast, are exquisitely sensitive to environmental factors. The air we breathe, the water we drink, the food we eat, the friends we have, the sum total of how we live our lives, that determines whether those keys get played. So any kind of genetic thing that you're born with is only a potential. It's not a death sentence. And that includes the genes for things like breast cancer, that women worry about so much. Uh, so much has to do with how you've lived your life and how you, you know, what you surround yourself with and all of those elements from diet and exercise to community, friends, and connection. All of these things have a vast, vast influence on whether or not you express your genes. Mm. And, you know, so many women have gone ahead, for example, to have... Um, breast removal because they've been born with these errant genes like the BRCA2 and what have you. And um, yeah, this is astonishing news that really these compounds in these simple drinks could actually be rewriting their genetic history for them. Yes, and as you said, these Israelis only tested these two substances. Mm. It would be fascinating for a bigger study to look at what else helps to rewrite the code. And I think you'll find a coterie of really healthy superfoods do the same. Right, thanks, Dan. Okay, we've been speaking a lot about very simple changes in our lives that we can do from green tea, red wine, oranges, high-fat diet, all these things have very profound changes to our lives. We have this control within ourselves, within our diets, to make these health choices, which will dramatically transform our health. And if we don't, we end up seeing the doctor and the panoply of drugs that he has on hand. And a new report came out which demonstrated just how dangerous that particular choice is. They reckon that around 200,000 Americans die each year because of some mistake a doctor makes. And um, half the problem is, in fact, not just the drugs, but the doctor himself who is invariably burnt out. They're working too hard, they're working too many hours, they're making mistakes. 
And this is a, a massive problem. And I think what's really important <laughs> about this study, which the researchers didn't really bring out, is that these are the cases that have been reported. So we have 200,000 people dying um, as a result of medical error that have been reported. Um, we really don't know the true picture here. It's far worse than this, of course. Very frightening, I'm sure. But we don't have that information because you know, it's a pretty big deal to reveal or say on a piece of paper, yes, my error caused this death for all sorts of reasons. And so, not, not surprisingly, they don't. And um, indeed, not necessarily these, these were reported because this was a private study amongst uh, nearly um, 7,000 doctors um, and 55% of whom said they were suffering from exhaustion and burnout and 10% of those admitted they had caused one, at least one major medical error in the prior three months. You know, and this is just so sad. It's sad for everybody. You know, you've got doctors who are working as hard as they possibly can, um, using uh, drugs which are really not the absolute solution, not in the long term. And you've got patients who end up being harmed, if not killed by this process. And it just seems extraordinary when we've been talking today about oranges, red wine, you name it, actually doing so much good for us. I think the sad thing is, you know, the doctors aren't the bad guys here. No. They go into a system that is a bit like going to a war zone and being in the army. They are subjected to ridiculous conditions. And we know this just, I mean, we've been studying this for all of these 30 years. And we hear about this firsthand from one of our daughters who roomed at university with several doctors to be. And now they are junior doctors and they're, the expectations from them are unbelievable, are superhuman. Um, they still are expected to do these long stints over weekends without sleep. They're supposed to work, you know, all kinds of ungodly hours and these hours have been trimmed now. Um, they are constantly belittled and bullied. All of these kinds of, this entire system is very much like brainwashing. And they get to a point where they really do feel um, as though they can't carry on. Then you have the added problem that the tools they've been given don't work very well. Mm. They, you know, they're complex. They don't have the time or the ability to study every kind of side effect that every drug has. So you see over and over again, doctors who specialize in an area knowing less about the side effects of their drugs than we do. Mm. And, and they're it, the guys who are giving the drugs out. And it's worth pointing out, we're talking here about medical error. We're yes. not including in this uh, properly administered drugs mm. that cause death or serious harm. And these figures do not include that. No, I mean, you have to get that. I think some years ago, they reckoned that every other day, two jumbo jets worth of people die from uh, correctly prescribed drugs. And that ends up being, when you calculate over a year, that ends up being, I think, the third leading cause of death now. Pre correctly prescribed drugs, not doctor error. So add doctor error on top of this, or doctor burnout, and you have an epidemic of mistakes, miscalculation, and side effects. Thanks, Lynn. Well, we live in the northern clime, and um, 
We, all, I mean, we're going through a heat wave here, so I don't know what it's going to be like by the time you see this. But, um, you know, there's health advisory about keeping out of the sun, about making sure you don't burn and all these things, which I'm sure to something we'll talk about that in a minute. But it, there's no doubt that in the Northern Hemisphere, we all get far too little sun. And vitamin D is so vital for so many health problems, in, 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 you know, preventing health problems. And um, it's fair to say we're all malnourished, in fact, when you look at vitamin D stores, because we just don't get enough sun. And this has been demonstrated yet again in a new study, which uh, reckons that people suffering from OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder, um, have all sorts of problems that tie in with a lack of sunlight and a a depletion of vitamin D. And um, they found that all these people have similar symptoms which lead to that conclusion, including real problems getting to sleep and then being unable to get up in the morning and all the rest of it. And they reckon it is down to lack of sunlight that um, regulates our internal clock. Um, so it seems to be yet another example, and there are loads and loads of examples of this, of vitamin D depletion being at the heart of many chronic diseases. Yeah, vitamin D is misnamed. It's not really a vitamin. It's a vitamin. Mm. It's a, um, a hormone. Mm. And it's so necessary. And as, as you say, Brian, it gets created in our bodies. The best source of all is the sun. I mean, we can take vitamin D if we don't live in you know, in warm, sunny climates. But that's the best source. And, you know, it's really important and to expose yourself to mm. some sunlight. But what I think is so fascinating about this study is for us to recognize that sunlight and vitamin D doesn't just help us with physical ailments, but now we're seeing connections with mental issues too. And this goes back to the idea that a lot of times doctors try to separate out a mental problem from a physical problem and not recognizing that a, a mental problem could be a, a metabolic disturbance. Mm. And that's exactly what we're seeing here, yeah. rather than something that's all in your head, right. all in your brain. And we're coming to the end of the podcast. So one fascinating fact for you. Did you know that the health advisory for all of us living in the northern hemisphere was based on the Australian health advisory on sun where the sun is invariably much stronger and more plentiful than it is here so on that note I'm going to nip out now and get some sunshine so thanks for listening thanks for watching I'm Brian Hubbard and catch you next time I'm Lynn McTaggart don't forget to check out our magazine it's on the stands every month usually where you live <laughs>